Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 115th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Getting you ready for Duke and Carolina. That will happen Saturday night, 849 in New Orleans as a second national semifinal will commence as Duke and Carolina meet for the first ever time in the history of the rivalry in the NCAA tournament. We're going to get you ready for the matchup by breaking down the Blue Devils since the last time we faced them, update you on some stats with Carolina. We're also going to give our keys to the game and pick the game. But before we do any of that great stuff, we start every edition of a podcast that we preview a game with with the pod thought of the day. And this is a special pod thought of the day because we have to double up. Um, these are two thoughts that you've heard throughout the season so far this year, but um, well, it's a it's it's a unique game, so it has a unique pod thought of the day. The first one is the one we've used throughout the whole NCAA tournament. That's the Carolina basketball mantra: "That's play hard, play smart, and play together." Course formed. Uh, the, the, that phrase was coined by Dean Smith back when he was coaching the coaching Carolina. And the second pod thought of the day: It's a simple one. And right, right now, it's the only thing that matters. And that's go to hell, Duke, because that's your opponent. Um, that's the opponent that's standing in the way of, of you getting the chance to play for a national championship and hang that eighth banner up in the Smith Center rafters um, if you can win two games down in New Orleans over the weekend. And, and buddy, um, it's been a weird week. It's It's been a fun week because we're still celebrating this team making making a magical run to the Final Four as an 8 seed, this thing kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but I think after we beat Baylor, I think we were, all, we were all starting to believe a little bit, or yeah, Baylor, we were all starting to believe a little bit more that this team had a legit chance. And you beat UCLA um, in a game where Caleb Love made every play he had to make in the second half of the game. You get St. Peter because they upset Purdue. And then at that point, it kind of felt destined, okay, you're going back to the Final Four. And, and this is a unique one because this is the, the same site, not the same building per se, but the same site where Dean Smith won both, won both of his national championships in 82 and in 93. And um, Hubert Davis, before the season started, he hung a picture of the Superdome up in everyone's locker room. And 
let 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 the team know that was the goal, that's the expectation, and that it was attainable to to reach that goal um, and and that expectation. And they've done that. They're in their twenty first Final Four. That's the most ever in the, uh, in college basketball. They've made the Final Four in nine consecutive decades. That's a record. Um, but the opponent's unique because you got to face your rival. And this is something that, for the longest time, it's like the basketball gods were keeping out of out, out of happening. Um, they haven't been on the on the same side of the bracket since 2011. This is only the second time ever they've both been in the Final Four at the same year. You got to go all the way back to '91. Had they both won, they would have met for the national title. But Kansas beat Carolina when Kansas was coached by Roy Williams. Duke beat Las Vegas, and then Duke would beat Kansas two nights later to win the national championship. You factor in that this is Coach K's final season, so if he loses Saturday night, his career is done, and then it's Hubert Davis's first season, and two months ago we were all questioning if he was the right man for the job, and now we all look like idiots because he's proven why he was choosing to be the, 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 you know, the successor of the program behind Roy Williams, and it's just been a very interesting, stressed field week. And before we, we break down the game and talk about the game, we got to talk about the rivalry because this is the one thing the rivalry hasn't had. Kentucky-Louisville, this maybe the second-best rivalry in college basketball, they've had this. They've met in the NCAA tournament before. They've met in the Final Four before. Um, but this is the first time for Carolina in the NCAA tournament. They both met in the NIT back in the 1970s, back when it was a one big per conference to, to go to the NCAA tournament. Even back then, teams would turn down going to the NCAAs to compete in the NIT. Um and, you know, the show you work on, the show that I work on, we've all had great guests to talk about this game. And one of the questions that we've asked the guest is, is it good for the rivalry that these two teams meet in the in the tournament? We haven't had a chance to answer those questions because, you know, we're not the host, but we host this podcast, and now this is our platform. Is it good for this rivalry, the greatest rivalry in college basketball, the greatest rivalry in sports that they're meeting in the NCAA tournament on the stage of the Final Four? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest with you, but the more and more that I've heard about it from people, it seems like everybody that is, even the people associated with both universities seem to think it's a it's a good thing. Um, you know, I think my thing with it is, is I would have even less of an issue with it if they had met in the championship game. Mm-hmm. That would make a lot of sense because... At that point, either way, your your season's ending. Yeah. Um, my concern about it from a rivalry perspective is whoever wins has the ultimate trump card. There's yep. no coming back from that. And I know people say, well, they can meet in the tournament again. They are ne- I I will go out on a limb and say they will never meet in the NCAA tournament well, again. Well, they wouldn't meet with these same type of implications on the line. You would imagine a legendary head coach in his final ride. Uh, and I'm with you. The biggest issue that I have with them meeting, I always thought if they were to ever meet in the NCAA tournament, it should be for the national championship. It was kind of like an unwritten rule that the committee always kept them on opposite sides of the bracket. This is the first time since 2011 they were on the same side of the bracket, and that was because the committee, quite frankly, didn't see Carolina making a run to the Final Four. Which is which is is a joke in and of itself. It it shouldn't matter what type of team you're staring down. You should always put these two teams on opposite sides of the bracket, just in case 
it gets to this point. And now, moving forward, it should never be a question. Mm -hmm. They should always be on opposite sides of the bracket so that if this happens, but but what's what's going to happen, there will be years now because of how much revenue they're going to bring in TV wise from this game. They're going to try frequent. to they're going to try to put them in the same bracket, and I think that's I, I don't I I'm not a huge fan of that. Oh, I, I mean, you I, know? I, I'm not either. I I always thought because look what you got to ask these two both of these teams to do. You got to ask them to get up. Just first off, for a Final Four game, the nerves, the anxiety, all the pressure that goes into it, then it's your biggest rival, the greatest rivalry in our sport. And then whoever wins, hopefully it's Carolina. We're we're expecting it to be Carolina. But then in 24 to 48 hours, they've got to, you know, get all those emotions out of their system and then get big and then get back up to play for a national championship. On Monday night, like whoever wins the Kansas Villanova game, is going to be at an at an emotional advantage because the winner of that game, you wouldn't think they have to put in the same amount of energy, effort, and emotion between Duke and Carolina. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like look at look look what goes into a regular season Duke Carolina game. Look what goes into when they meet in the ACC tournament. Now you're doing it on the biggest stage in college basketball, and then it's not even for the national championship. Yeah, I mean, look, we've had we've seen that Saturday Monday turnaround from a Carolina perspective, and I know Bone, one of the guys that is an on-air personality here, is a Duke fan, has said I've seen it multiple times from Duke. Duke, Duke they lost st- the Monday after they beat us in Chapel Hill at home to Virginia, right? That you struggle. You struggle with teams like Clemson, Wake Forest. Pittsburgh, you struggle with those types of teams. How are you going to turn around and play a team in Kansas who, I mean, if we're being honest, out of the teams that are here in the Final Four, that might be the best team out of all four of the teams that are here. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that element is is huge. I still think that either one of these two teams can go there and, and win a title. Yeah, because I feel like at that point, you're kind of it's kind of destined. Yeah, you're right? kind of you're 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 kind of destined to win at that point. Because I think you've gotten this far, no matter who it is, whether it's Carolina, who we we hope and think is going to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're destined as an eight seed to complete the ride and basically put, you know, everything that we thought about Hubert Davis in the middle of the season to rest yeah. permanently. Pretty much gives him almost a lifetime contract. Pretty here. much, yeah. Um, or you're going to have Coach K go out with a title. Um, to close out his career, and many people around the country, not just Carolina fans, will want to drive into the nearest uh, <laughs> divider on the road because they will not be able to stand the j- j- just the hype around. I mean, again, this week already is starting to feel very similar to that game in Cameron. Yeah. I know it's not as much about Coach K, they're not doing the specials. They're not doing, you know, what some of his best games. But it really feels like most of the national media wants Duke to win this game. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's that's kind of the media anyway. The the national media is when it comes to the rivalry is pro Duke over Carolina. They're pro Coach K, whether it was Roy Williams or, or of course right now Hubert Davis. But you know, it, it's it's. It's really hard to explain to the people that don't live the rivalry 
what what it what it's going to mean for the loser of this game. And we're two guys that we live the rivalry every day. Um, this rivalry is a big reason why I got into sports broadcasting at any level, podcast host, working in radio, no matter what it was. This tournament's a big reason why I wanted to have those life, you know, goals and dreams and stuff like that. And there's there's a lot there's a lot riding on the line in this game. And, and you know, like the 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 host that I work with says, well, if you win, then that's the end of the rivalry. And and I get that you have two of the ultimate trump cards in the same year, but then if you lose the game. It's then then they have the great equalizer for everything that you that you, you have more than them. You have more Final Fours, more wins, more titles, blah blah blah. No, this this game means more than any in the history of the rivalry, and and honestly, it's not even close. This is the it biggest is a game post, since '05, probably when Carolina a, beat Duke. It's a postseason game. It's never been seen before. Mm-hmm. You if you lose this game, it's it, it's extremely hard. To recover from that, for from a fan standpoint, in terms of trying to argue the difference between the two teams, the two programs, yep, you pretty much have to meet again in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, like, that's how I view. Yeah, you like, like if, if if you're the loser of it, you're then hoping and praying and expecting at some point in the near future they do meet again, right, in March Madness and. Another thing that's come out of this whole discussion about Duke and Carolina meeting each other in the final, you know, in the final four in the NCAA tournament, and this is even from from the Carolina side of things. There's this notion or belief that that Carolina fans are are scared of the game. No one's scared of Duke. Right? Like I'm not scared of Duke cuz well we've beaten Duke uh in a game that we were given no chance to beat them. I think we're all scared of the outcome of of losing and that goes into every normal game when you play them like it's the most stressful two hours we experience as sports fans is watching Duke Carolina play the elation that you get if you win the game is is you know you can't describe it it's really uncomparable unless you watched your your team win championships or something like that the losing in a regular season is it's it's the ultimate defeat and now you're doing this in the final four for the right to play for the national championship that's what I'm fearful of. I mean, look, like you said, you know, in game, it's it's nerve wracking. I think also the week leading up is just nerve wracking yeah, because there's no game before this game. There's so much talk. E- even even though, I mean, look, and and we can definitely say it as fans, and players will never admit to it, but they do. You start looking forward to that game. If you if you play a game on that Saturday, it's after that game. If you don't play, I mean, it, when it's a week out, that's when you start looking at it, especially starting Monday. Yeah. Because especially around here, that's when the sports radio stations start talking through the game. That's when they start getting guests on that are specific to the game. So that's where your mind goes. You're right. I'm not afraid of this Duke team because I think that they are good. I don't see this team as this historically great team that some people think they are. Now, the extra motivation factor, that's that's one of the concerns for me about this game, but I still think Carolina can get it done because I think they're motivated too. My thing is, is it devastated me to my core when this team lost to Villanova in the final back in 2016. Mm-hmm. And that was to a team that before that game, I didn't really have much hatred for. Now, I can't stand them. If Carolina wins, I want them 
in the championship game because I want the ultimate revenge. I want to beat Jay Wright's smug tail on the national stage in New Orleans after beating Coach K. But I can't. I I don't want to bring myself to the reality of losing this game on Saturday because I don't. It would be hard to recover as a fan, honestly. Yeah. Like mentally, it's it's gonna that that would that would destroy me. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Matt Doherty, former guest when we were the Roy's Boys podcast, he joined the show you work on, the Mac Attack on Sports Radio FNZ here in Charlotte. He joined the show uh, earlier this week to talk about the notion of Carolina fans being soft if they're scared against this game against Duke. They're a little soft. Um, you know, are you going to, like, you're afraid? Like, what, what did Hubert say in the press conference? He says there are three kind of people. Those that want to avoid a fight, those that are boom, and then those that are looking for a fight. We're looking for a fight. Carolina's looking for a fight. So we got to fight. It just so happens to be against Duke. Yeah. Let's bring it. And this is good for the rivalry. It's good for college basketball. Um, it's exciting as heck. I uh, I also know in that same interview he questioned your credibility as a Tar Heel fan. He attacked your nickname. Said I have said I have no no credibility as a Tar Heel fan. Never had. Um, so d- does that mean that you're you're standing as the co-host of the pod should now be in question? Should I be pus- posting a a a, a, p- a positional opening? On, on the co-host of the Four Corners podcast. Well, considering that you have the same stance and the fact that there have been people in the past that have actually voted me as a bigger Tar Heel fan than you. I don't recall that ever happening. Yes, that has definitely happened, mainly during football season. Um, and I believe it was actually one of the hosts of the Mac Attack, the other host of the Mac Attack, than the one I referenced earlier, that questioned because of how much you were going in on the football team. Well, that's because they don't win enough. So, there you go. But, um, my 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 response at the time, and I still think it holds up, is he's a former player and he's a former coach. Why would you want him to take the mindset of that? We're taking a fan's perspective towards this game. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of people that even if they won't admit it today, last week we're saying the same thing. They were saying, look, we're trying to avoid Duke. There were people that were saying, I would rather lose to UNLV or UNLV, to you lose to UCLA or to St. Peter's than to lose to Duke. Yeah, you know, so, I, I, I think that's a really funny, you know, question. Would you have rather have lost in the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight? Then lose in the final four to Duke? That answer is yes. Like and, and look, I understand that we want to make the final four. That's the goal. That's my expectation for the program every freaking year. I mean, one of the things that was brought up by uh by the one guy that we were he said, Well, look at how difficult it is to reach the final four. <laughs> well, we've reached twenty one of them, so it ain't that hard, apparently. You, you know, like, I I'd have much rather lost in Philadelphia and cause then everything still applied. You still had a great you still had a great you, the season still felt what you what we felt last week. You you turned the corner. The first season was a success. Now in in a, in a weird way, whether you want to admit it or not, 
now there's pressure to to perform and, and to win because you're in the final four for first you know for starters mm-hmm. the first game is your rival and then if you advance well now you're playing for a national championship i was in the room with you when we lost in 16 i know that feeling i don't want to feel that feeling again like wow. it's it's it, here's here's the thing about that even if you lose the national championship game it can't be as bad as that game unless you get beat in the same way. And if it's to Villanova in the same way, you will be finding a new podcast host. <laughs> Let's just say that. But the people will be finding a new podcast. Oh my gosh. I I couldn't even imagine that. But um no, in in all seriousness, I mean, look, it's it's I understand where those people are coming from. And I'm going to be honest with you. My head has gone back and forth on it. And my head has also gone back and forth on, and I know it's I know it sounds terrible, you know, do you want this team to win a title? Because if they win a title, and I mean, Josh Pastner, who was on with us earlier today on the Mac Attack, um, who, who was a tremendous interview, by the way. Put him on ACC Network. Any guy named Josh is tremendous. I mean, he's, well, you... You're you're bringing the name down, but um, he said if Hubert wins, just if he wins on Saturday, he said that would probably get him a lifetime contract, and that would put him past Dean and Roy. Okay, because of just but it, in 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 the fans' minds, because of just how much that rivalry means to the fans. I think he was probably joking around because he did little, chuckle. Little exaggeration there because you still got to win championships. But my here. my thing is is what's going to happen and if the, if he wins a title in his first year, I really feel like people will one start attacking Roy because he the lack of success that he had the last two years, and they're going to say, how did Huber come in and win a national championship with these guys? And I feel like they're also going to start questioning. Well, how impressive actually was what Roy and what Dean did? Because this is the first year of Hubert, and he's already taken him to a Final Four, and he's already won a title. Yeah, if, I, I don't. If, if any Tar Heel fan questions what those two gentlemen did on the sidelines, go go to therapy. Um, they're two of the three most successful coaches in the history of the sport. Look, Hubert Davis may be on well on his way to putting his name like. Dick Vitale may have to redo his whole Mount Rushmore in 15 years from now whenever Hubert Davis is done coaching. That might be a possibility. Yeah, dropping John Wooden. Yeah, I got you. But but, but we're not, after one year, we're not going to automatically start saying, well, you know, did they really accomplish a lot? They've got 1,700 wins, 20 well, I'm, Final I'm more, Fours, and five national titles between I'm them. More yeah, they accomplished. with people trying to diminish what Roy did, especially based on the last two years. And, and you know... You know me. I am as much of a Roy guy as there is. I absolutely love everything about Roy Williams and and his time at Carolina. Like I because that was the only coach that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I got to me. read about Dean Smith. I got to read about Bill Guthridge, who I think is criminally underrated in terms of national I mean, you're talking about a guy that was there for 3 years and went to two final fours including with an 8 seed. Um but you know this is this is my guy and i i just i don't want people to start getting to that point already where they start questioning him especially since roy is not a guy that is ever going to stand up for his own legacy he's too humble so 
That's that's the only thing that I have in my mind. And I don't know, maybe maybe that maybe that makes me a a, a bad Toriel fan. But no. I, I mean, it's just that that was a man that's a man that I when he like when he was on television yesterday, I tracked down the interview and found what he had to say. When he was on our radio station, I stood out in the hallway for 13 14 minutes and just listened to what he had to say about everything like that's that's my guy that's my coach more than any of the other sports that I follow so yeah it's still for me and I I love it man I love the raw emotion from Hubert and I think Hubert's going to be a great coach but for me I don't yet feel as attached to Hubert as I felt to Roy yeah And, and you know for you and I and for those of us that grew up with Roy Williams we probably never will It's just another example of how blessed we are as Tar Heels to not have one, to not have two, to not have three. We've now got four coaches that that we that over you know the the generation of Tar Heel fans that we feel attached to in some form or fashion, and that's what makes this program. And that's why JJ Reddick's comment yesterday is the dumbest. He should have been fired from television (laughs) for that dumbass comment. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think people were like, well, that was just a trash talk segment. No, I believe that smug b-hole actually believes it. No, because well, he definitely did because he's now since walked back his comment because he got roasted for spilling idi- you know, some, some, some idi- idiotic takes on ESPN. But Look, you could, and somebody tried to argue this with me earlier. Well, Vic Bubis took him to two Final Fours. Dude, your program is one coach. Your program is one co- Does that dude have a title hanging up there? I don't think so. Your program is one coach, bro. So, and guess what? Remember your last game in Cameron? <laughs> you probably don't want to remember it. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Let's start breaking down the Blue Devils. They come in 32-6 and record. They reached the Final Four by taking down Texas Tech and Arkansas last weekend out in San Francisco. Ironically enough, those were the first times... Duke's ever won an NCAA tournament game on the West Coast. This is Coach K's now 13th Final Four. That's most in the history of the NCAA tournament. He surpassed the legendary John Wooden with this feat. Their sensational freshman, Paolo Bancaro, leads the team in scoring and rebounding. Overall, Duke has five players that average double-figure scoring. Um, They rank fourth in field goal percentage per game in the country and eighth in the country in points per game. And defensively, while they're not the same defensive team they were when we met back in in February, let alone the first meeting back in March, they only allow opponents to shoot 11.7 free throws per game. That's the second fewest in all of college basketball. As for Carolina, we come in with a 28-9 record, so that that record has really ballooned up to a healthy win total for Hubert Davis. Um, We reached the Final Four after beating UCLA and St. Peter's, of course, last weekend up in Philadelphia. This is Carolina's 21st Final Four, as we mentioned. That's the most in NCAA. And Hubert Davis becomes the first head coach to make the Final Four in his first season since Bill Guthridge did it back in 1998. Coach K becomes the la- the first head coach to make the Final Four in his last season since Bill Guthridge as well. So Underrated! It's really Telling funny you. how um, <clears throat> these two programs really are intertwined with all the successes that they experience and that they've had. Of course, Armando Baycott leads the team in scoring and rebounding. He tied the ACC record for most double-doubles 
in a season at 29 can set the record with one on Saturday night against Duke, and that would put him past the name of the like of Tim Duncan, um, who you could argue with Tyler Hansborough is the best or second-best big man in the history of the ACC. That's how good Armando Baycott has been this year. Overall, Carolina has four players that average double-figure scoring, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Brady Manick. And Carolina is third in defensive rebounds per game, and they're sixth in total rebounds. And that's something that, you know, you guys that have been longtime listeners to the show know that that's the, 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 the area of the game I value the most. And I full-heartedly believe that with the transition that the way we were going to play under Heber Davis, Carolina wasn't going to be the same rebounding team that they were for 18 years under Roy Williams. Well, that's why Hubert Davis coaches basketball, and that's why I host a podcast that talks about basketball because Carolina has rounded back into being one of the best rebounding teams in the sport. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then when we come back, we're going to take a look back at that second matchup against the Blue Devils back in Cameron, and then give our keys to the game, and then pick the game before we get out of this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your favorite team's victory into your own big win, and we mean the Tar Heels. Bet on the heels to get it done, guys. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win, the Tar Heels, and get $200 in free bets if they do so. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers. Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Over there, check out all that coverage that we'll have for you on the website. We'll, of course, preview the Duke game. Josh will have that. He'll also have the recap for you. And then whoever Carolina hopefully is playing in the national championship game, if that happens, he'll have the preview and recap of that as well. Football side of things, Pro Day Recap on the website. You guys can check that out. That'll be up sometime uh, here in the near future. We will also have coverage of the Tar Heel Spring Game. That'll be on April 9th, a week after the Final Four. Make sure you check it out. HeelToughBlog.com Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the Four corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog side of things. And that win for Carolina... At Cameron, 94-81. to 81. That kind of felt like the culmination of all the things that we thought Carolina was doing good because it felt like they were progressing and they were getting better on both ends of the court, but they hadn't really beaten an opponent outside of Virginia Tech at the time that really validated those thoughts and those beliefs. And in that second half, when they, out, when they outscored Duke 55-40, to 40, 
that might have been the best 20 minutes of basketball they had played to this point. I would say right now the the first 30 minutes of the game against Baylor is the best they've looked all year long because you had a number one seed down 25. Um, but it was just a big-time performance um, for this team overall. Armando Baycott had 23 points on 10 of 11 shooting. Carolina shot 48% from the field, 39% from behind the three-point line. They only committed five turnovers, and they, and they out-rebounded Duke. And I do think Tar Heel fans should feel confident entering this game that they can replicate the same type of successes that they had in those game in that game because it felt like every time Carolina needed to make a play, whether it was on on offense or on defense, they made a play. And for a team that kind of looked, you know, sh- uh, you know, shell shocked when they met the first time in the Spencer, Carolina looked overwhelmed by the moment, by the emotion. They didn't look that way in Cameron, and I don't think they looked that way on Saturday night either. Well, it's it's a much different scenario too. I, I think there's going to be pressure on both teams this time. I think the first time the pressure wasn't on Carolina at all. This time, look, it's a Final Four, and yeah, you you probably know in your locker room that if you lose this game with how rare this matchup is. That's going to be one that you're going to hear about for a while. Yep. So yeah, there's a little bit of pressure on on these guys this time around. I think duplicating that performance is going to be tough because mm-hmm. you're talking about a performance where Carolina had four guys that scored 20 or more points. First time like, ever in the history of the program. That's crazy. And and again, look, I mean, you had Caleb Love ha- had 12 of those points from the from the free throw line. So if you can get three guys to score 20 points in this game, you're probably feeling pretty good. Yeah. But I think that it, it, the one of the recipes in this game is, look, Carolina's got to score. There is no – this is not a game – we've seen it the last two games that Duke played. It, these defensive-minded basketball teams are not going to be able to get it done. But the reason that I think that Carolina has a better chance in this, as they showed in the first game – they are a much better shooting team than Arkansas or Texas Tech were. So, uh, again, I think you're you're going to want clearly one of your guards to be on, preferably probably Caleb Love yeah. because it feels like he, he can take – and like R.J. Davis took the game over against Baylor, but what Caleb Love did in that second half against UCLA is what he's – you know, he's capable of doing and really what – that was what the player you thought you were getting when he committed. A guy that could single-handedly will you to victories. Because he willed you to a win past UCLA. And, and here's the thing about RJ. Even if he's not scoring, if he's driving the basket and facilitating, your offense is still going to run the yeah. way you want it to. Where if Caleb's, Caleb, score. If Caleb's not scoring, then... Mm, I And, and I, I mean... that. But that's the thing. Here's the thing for Caleb... You're talking about games that he goes off. This feels like one of those games because there's always, for him, the extra motivation of playing Duke, and now you get to do it in a Final Four setting. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, the back and forth that him and Theo John have had. He He's going to have that extra motivation. So I think he's got to be on. you got to have Brady still scoring well. Look, he's the, coming into this Final Four, he's the guy that averages the most points per game in the tournament, 21 and a half. Paolo Bancaro's three points uh, behind him in terms of points per game. So Duke's scoring the ball well, but Carolina's scoring the ball really well. You're talking about a Tar Heel team that in two of their four tournament games, they won by 20 or more. Mm -hmm. 
and they've scored 90 or more points in three of the four. And my thing is, is look, you could say, well, they went to overtime with Baylor. If Brady Manick doesn't get ejected in that game, they score 90 points anyways in regulation. So this team scoring at a high clip, that's what they that was the recipe in the first game against Duke. So I kind of I kind of like that. I I kind of like that that Mac that that mix up or mash up whatever I'm looking for there. See the Duke game's got me thrown off mm-hmm. here. Let's move in now to our, our keys to the game and you know this isn't a key but I, I I do think whichever team can block out all of the the extra noise around the game, I think that's going to ultimately be the team that's that's going to win the game. Um and, and so both sides should feel confident because Duke, when they went to Chapel Hill, they put it aside at being Coach K's final trip when they play, played a great game and they then they, they kicked Carolina's rear end. Carolina should feel confident because they went to Cameron with every every media outlet in the world's eyes focused on Coach K's final game in Cameron, and they were able to, to, uh, to, to uh, take down Duke in a game that they were given basically no chance to win. Um, so with that, um, I, I, the first four minutes I think are really going to set the tone. It's going to be an uneasy, anxious start to the game, but Carolina's got to fight. And I think that's something that we, we've heard Hubert Davis talk about that all tournament long is, you know, you're either looking for a fight, you are running away from the fight, or you're looking to bring the fight. And I think when Carolina's brought the fight, like they, like they did against Marquette, like they did against Baylor, like they did in the second half against UCLA, and for the most part, the, the entire game against St. Peter's, well, they've looked like a team that's deserving to play in the Final Four. So it's it's got to be there from the word go. I don't think Carolina can play this game from behind. I'm not saying you got to get out to a 10- to 15-point lead, but I don't think this is a game where Carolina wants to try to make up ground. They need to establish that they're going to be right there with them, like they did in Cameron, and just let them know for 40 minutes, we're here to play, and we're going to and we're gonna play hard for 40 minutes. Well, that's the thing. It's got to be out of the gate because, remember, Duke got the lead to nine in Cameron, mm-hmm. but Carolina had already established that, look, we're going to come out and we're, we're, we're bringing the fight to you. And that's, that's my thing in this game because you know that Duke is going to be motivated. Um, there's there's no there's no doubt about that one. This is probably one of the most motivated Duke teams that you're going to see in a long time for Carolina. So you've got to be ready to go too. And you've got to look at it as, hey, this is the rubber match. They embarrassed us back in the Smith Center at home. So we want to make sure that we're the ones that take this season series. And what more motivation do you need to have than to take Coach K off the sideline again? You thought you killed him once, and it didn't happen. Now you can officially stomp him out. There's there's no coming back from this. You knew when you faced him in Cameron, okay, they can still make a run and win the title. Yeah. You beat him here, that's it. It's over. He's off into the sunset. You're playing for a title, and you get to hold that above people's heads forever. So you need to that that's the mindset that you have to take into this game. And to me, there's no reason to think Carolina won't bring the fight. Because as you've mentioned, they've done it in every single tournament game. St. Peter's, my thing in that game was they brought the fight early when they needed to. It didn't last throughout the whole game. But like I said, I don't think I think they got to a certain point where to a certain extent, guys looked and said, we don't really have to exert much energy because we're in control of this game. Put it on cruise control, yeah. Um, and even with UCLA, I, th- I thought they brought the fight early on. I thought UCLA, honestly, out of the gate, they just made some really tough shots. So 
that hasn't been the 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 problem for me. It's just in this game, yeah, you better be ready to go because yeah, if you get down like you did early in that game at the Smith Center, even if you get down six nothing, mm, that's where you start to get a little worried because of how motivated that team is on the other side. Now, when you're breaking down, you know the X's and the O's. I think the biggest thing for Carolina, and it's not just because this Duke, it's been a, a key the whole tournament. They have, they have to stay out of foul trouble. Oh you, you, yes, you saw what happened once you lost Brady Manic to ejection and, and Caleb Love to fouling out against Baylor. But for, <laughs> well, Manic wasn't really foul trouble. There was there was nothing you could have done so, there. So, but Carolina, they the Iron Five are going to have to be the Iron Five on Saturday. Look, I, mm-hmm. I know Hubert Davis is going to play Puff Johnson sparingly. He's going to play Dontrez Styles sparingly. You need your five guys on the court for thirty six to thirty seven minutes. And um, you know the first matchup. Remember, for some reason we put. Baycott on Bancaro, it didn't work out. I think we're all comfortable now with putting Leaky on A.J. Griffin and living and dying with, with what Brady Manick can give you against Bancaro. And I've said it multiple times. Here's the other thing. Even right now, A.J. Griffin's not playing at his best. Mm-hmm. He has ankle ankle injury, I believe. I've got there have been there have been a bunch of significant injuries down the stretch of this tournament. But he he had an ankle injury that he's been working through. So, yeah, if look, if Bancaro is just going off, then okay, it's time to switch Leaky onto him for a little bit. And hey, if you got to bring Puff Johnson into the game at that point to D up Griffin, yeah. Then okay, I understand it. Now, again, it's it's tough because with Brady Manick you hate to take his offensive ability out of the game. But here's the other thing. I, I am I am past and, and there are still people that say this. There are still people that have said, look, they're gonna they're gonna go straight at Brady Manick. And I I mean Matt Doherty said it the other day when he was on the air. They're they're probably they probably have a play that's called forty five that they run straight at him. My thing is that if you do that now, I mean that's hey, that's that's your own prerogative because I don't think that he's as bad of a defender as we thought he was. Also, here's the other thing that I think about that notion that we gave him earlier in the year. I think he was struggling a little bit early in the season to settle in when the entire team defensively was struggling. And then the game that we all kind of judged him off of was that Wake Forest game. Guys, I think Jake LaRavia might be a pretty solid player. Yeah. And maybe that was just a bad matchup for him. Um, my my thing in this game is, and, and Joel Berry said it the first time they met, or the, excuse me, the second time that they matched up uh, before that game in Cameron. Um, there are going to be times where you have to drop two back and stay in front of Bancaro. That's the concern for Carolina on the defensive end, is Bancaro going to work and bullying you, and that's where you pick up these unnecessary fouls. You if Look, if he's knocking down shots, there ain't nothing you can do, but I'd rather try to make him beat you that way and keep your guys from getting in foul trouble than you know him just run straight at you and you're all of a sudden you're in trouble because he did that early in the game in Cameron, and we saw the results. Once Carolina started sort of bullying up a little bit on him inside, all of a sudden that mindset changed. But, yeah, I think the matchup that you got to watch foul-wise is Baycott and Mark Williams. Yep. Who, between those two guys, who gets in foul trouble first 
or maybe they don't get in foul trouble. If they don't, this is going to be a back and forth right down to the end. If one of them gets in foul trouble, the other team's going to have the advantage to go to the hoop. Yeah, you're definitely right about that, and it's going to be something that Caroline's going to have to manage and, and really try to do their best to, 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 to just be as smart and proactive about it and, and figure out the ways. And, and the game will flow, and it'll have its nuances, and Hubert Davis, I think, has adjusted to those things as the season's moved along about how to make the right adjustments. So, um, but yeah, foul trouble, especially in the tournament. You know, no matter what you're, you know, who you're playing or, or wh- where you're playing them, it's it's a big thing. And especially for Carolina with the limited bench, you got to have those iron five on the court as much as possible. And Baycott's the big one, but so so, so is Leaky Black. Yeah. If 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 Leaky gets into foul trouble, like he did against Virginia Tech, that's you you could be in some trouble there. So they've got it. They've got to make sure that they take care of Leaky out there as well. Um, the second key for Carolina has been another key that you've seen throughout the tournament, and they've got to make perimeter shots. They didn't have to make them against St. Peter's because um, they entered that game making 34 threes in the first three games, but St. Peter's was one of the top 15 defensive teams in the country defending the three-point line. Carolina, as you could expect, they shot 27%. Carolina's going to have to make triples in this game. The magic number has been 8-10 to 10 all tournament long. It's going to stay that way. They made nine in the win at Cameron um, back earlier this month when they spoiled Coach K's send-off from Cameron Indoor Stadium, and it's got to be spread out. This this feels like a game where Manic, Love, and Davis are all connecting from threes. I'm not saying they both got to make three or four. If they want to, that'd be great. Make it a lot easier on us. But it, 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 doesn't need to, it doesn't feel like it needs to be a game where it's just Love or just Manic or just Davis. You need to have them all three connecting because it makes it harder to defend the court. And then you can mm-hmm. get the ball inside easier to Mondo Baycott, and you can drive the ball easier. But if Carolina makes threes at the rate which they're capable of and the rate that they've done in three of the four games in this tournament, there's no reason why with four minutes left to go they're going to be there with a chance to win. Yeah, and I, I think there's going to be more opportunities to do that because one of the things that I think Carolina is going to do is they're going to run a lot of high pick and roll, which we did not see in the game against St. Peter's. They were really just hell-bent on get the ball inside to Baycott and let him go to work, and we can we can just use the isolation game up top to create space because these guys aren't as athletic defensively as some of the other teams that we faced. And I think that was the game plan. You saw it early on. This game will be a lot different because they pick-and-rolled the heck out of Duke the first time – or this. The, the second game of the season. I, I, I choose to forget the first game of the year, I'm going to yeah. be honest with you. Um, but that game in Cameron, they, they pick and rolled the heck out of Duke. And it worked because Mark Williams is, I mean, he's, he's a heck of a defensive player, but that's one of his weaknesses is switching on the pick and roll. Carolina's got to be able to do that, and that's going to open up some of those outside looks when you get guys scrambling. Carolina's got to be able to knock down the open looks. And the other thing that they've got to do in this game, look, they've been doing it all tournament long, and they've been doing it for majority of the second half of the season. When you get those late shot clock threes where – Guys just have to create their own space and knock down shots. Yeah, you gotta have t- you, you you gotta have some of those go. It's Caleb Love has to hit some of those or R.J. Davis, or else you're not gonna win this game. You got you, you gotta be tough enough to make some of those shots. And for the first time in a, all season in this tournament, it feels like you can be pretty confident that Caleb Love is gonna get that done. And 
sometimes you can also, and you'll feel it early on, that R.J. Davis can do it as well. The last key, I think, for Carolina is they've got to out-rebound Duke because when they if, if they out-rebound Duke, first off, it'll allow them to wear down, even though and Duke's deeper, so it's not going to be as big an issue for them as it is for Carolina, but it allows them to wear them down. But more importantly, it dictates the pace at which you want to play. And I don't, I'm not saying that Carolina's afraid to run with Duke because Carolina's not afraid to run with anybody, but this is a team that doesn't have to play in the open court to score 90 points. They can run really good offense in the half court, in their, you know, in in their secondary break and all that great stuff. But that only happens is as long as you're controlling the board cuz then if you if if you control the board, you control the pace. They they out-rebounded Duke 37 to 34. Um Williams and Baycott, that's going to be a fantastic matchup to watch inside. They're both really talented big men. They're both really good at what they do for both their teams, but for Carolina, it's you know Baycott's going to get his, and Duke knows that Ben Carroll and Williams are going to get theirs. It's the other guys. It's the Leaky Blacks. It's the R.J. Davis. It's the Caleb Loves for us that they've got to be committed to going and getting on the glass and helping Carolina win the rebounding battle. Because I think if Carolina makes perimeter shots and they rebound the ball the way that they're capable of, I think they're going to win the game. Because that's what they did in the second matchup against in Cameron. That's what they did against Baylor. That's what they did against UCLA. And those are all teams that you would probably say before the tournament started, Carolina shouldn't beat those teams. But they mm-hmm. did the things they had to do when they beat those teams, and they're still playing. So I think if Carolina brings that same commitment and that energy to rebounding the basketball the way they have the last month and a half or so of the season, they're going to have a good chance. Yeah, and again, I think it goes you know kind of hand-in-hand with the first point that you brought up the first key to the game, which is you got to keep. To me, look, I know Armando's going to get his. You need one of these huge performances from Armando on the glass. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it's got to be 22 like he's had a couple of times this season. Wouldn't hurt, but you need him. I think he's got to be 15 or higher in this game. You you need him to be able to clean the glass. You need him to create some second-chance opportunities for you. And for the most part, he's been able to do that in the NCAA tournament. And I'm my thing is is look, I know that Mark Williams is a is a good player inside. I'm not afraid of Mark Williams inside. No, I'm not either. Not not with Baycott. So, I I think that that's going to be the key, but you're right. The other guys have to factor in here as well. You need some other guys that are going to step up and when it comes to getting those crucial rebounds late in the game, they have to be able to get those. And, you know, it's it's even really, you want to limit the second chance opportunities that Duke has as well. That was one of the big issues in the first game of the year. Duke had a lot of first, uh, a lot of second chance opportunities in that first half. And that was really what took you out of the game. Because even when you were getting stops, you were allowing them to get second opportunities and weren't able to stop those. So you want to limit the possessions for Duke in this game as much as you can by taking care of your rebounding. And yeah, like you said, it allows you to control the pace. And that's what they did in the game in Cameron. They chose when they wanted to run, and you saw that when they were able to get out in transition, that was where they really hurt Duke. So I definitely think that this is this is a great opportunity for Carolina in this in this game. I, I think that all the keys that we talked about, Carolina is more than capable of executing in this game. It's just it goes back to what you said. 
and I, I would I would call it a key to the game. Can Carolina be the team that blocks out everything that's going on around them better than that Duke team on the other side? I will say this. There are expectations on Carolina this time. Mm-hmm. They're still not as big as the expectations for Duke. In Coach K's final season with this squad full of five stars as one of the preseason favorites to win the national championship. That's what you've got to realize if you're the Tar Heels. You're an eight seed. There there are expectations that are on your plate now, but no one expected you to be here. So play with that mindset of we don't really have anything to lose outside of this, outside of bragging rights in the rivalry. Carolina enters with just a 31.6% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's College Basketball Power Index. That number is a little bit low to me, considering Carolina's beaten Duke. And they've also beaten teams like Baylor and UCLA on their way to the Final Four. But none of that matters, because you still got to play the games within 94 feet. And this is... This will be the most stressed I have felt in a national title or in, in a game since the 17 final against Gonzaga, um, which which really exceeded anything I'd ever felt in my life because, like, I, like in 09, I felt really, really confident Carolina was going to win the game. In 16, I thought I, I was extremely confident Carolina was going to win the game. 17, because you'd lost in 16, it was, it was, a, it was a mission-driven. It was... You win a national championship or you failed. And that's not the same level of expectations for this particular Carolina team. They've really gotten, you know, they've really changed the way we, we've thought about this team over the last month and a half or so. But you're in the Final Four. You're in the same, you know, uh, uh, vicinity where Dean Smith won both of his national championships and you're playing your biggest rival. It's going to be a stress filled two, two and a half hours for us. But this this Carolina team's just different. I, I think they found a competitive spirit that we questioned throughout most of the season. They love to play basketball as a team, and I think that's going to be a big reason why they win the games, that they're a cohesive unit. Duke will sometimes get lulled into playing one-on-one basketball because they have great isolation players. But I think Carolina, Carolina doesn't have – they don't have more talent than Duke, but they've got they've got a better cohesiveness about them as of right now. I think they're going to take down Duke. I think they're going to end Coach K's career, and I think they'll advance to the national championship on Monday night. Yeah, I I think, again, most people are going into this game with the mindset that Carolina is not going to – I'm not going to say that they don't have a lot for Duke, but that this is just – this is a destined journey for Duke and Mm -hmm. that Carolina – I mean, I've heard Duke fans say it. Carolina's another roadblock in the way. Um, I mean, please think that because this is unlike any of the teams that you've played so far. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I feel confident that Carolina can get this done. This is without a doubt the most talented team that Duke has faced so far in the tournament. And... They are easily the best offensive team that Duke has faced so far. What did we hear about the two teams that they played last weekend in San Francisco? They're really good defensive teams, but they can't shoot the ball. Well, Carolina has slowly 
crept up those defensive rankings. Mm-hmm. They're the best defensive efficiency team since March 1st. So, I mean, this team is playing as good a defense as they have played in years. And you combine that with a team that is shooting the way that they are from the field with guys that are just feeling it offensively. I think that's something that counters what Duke has done so far. Now, the thing about Duke, they're shooting the ball extremely efficiently during the tournament. They're the best shooting team during the tournament in terms of shooting percentage. So, I think this is going to be just an unbelievable offensive back and forth. We've seen some really good defensive games so far, but I think that this is going to be two offenses just going blow for blow with each other. And I think that favors Carolina. Yep. Um you're right. I think this is a this is a team that has come together. And I mean, look, I think I mean to a certain extent it looks like Duke has come together too. But I don't know if it's at the level that Carolina has. Because Carolina can have four different guys go off at any different point. Is Duke in that category right now? I don't I don't think so. So I feel more comfortable with how Carolina can slow down their offense. And yeah, I, I, I like Carolina to win this one. Clearly, can't pick Duke on the podcast, nor should you be able to. But I do truly believe that Carolina is gonna have just enough in this one. And I think we're gonna have a classic. In New Orleans, I like Carolina 92-89 over Duke. There you go, guys. Both Anthony and myself predicting a Carolina victory on Saturday night, which would vault them into the national championship game on Monday where they would play the winner of Kansas and Villanova. That's the first national semifinal. You can catch Carolina and Duke 849 over on TBS as the Final Four and the national title game on TBS this year as opposed to CBS. Um, so make sure you get over there to check out Saturday night's historic matchup. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. But before we let you go, I do encourage you guys to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Begin you ready for Duke on Saturday night on the website. As I continue to take you through Carolina's NCAA tournament run as long as it lasts, football side of things, some stuff up on the site as well as um, some news is coming out on, on that side of things during spring camp as spring camp is coming coming to a close with the spring game next week. So check out all that coverage over on HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. You can like the pod. You can review the pod. But most importantly, we do encourage you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the podcast throughout the remainder of the season. Well, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do you want to thank Anthony for hosting with me? Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels and go to hell, Duke. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.